0: I'm Brooke Gurley, and you are listening to Untold Stories, the cases that shaped the civil rights movement, presented by Law & Crime. This podcast is the audio adaptation of my video series titled The Untold Stories of the Civil Rights Movement. And now, on to this week's episode. What's up, everyone? It's me, Brooke. I know you're thinking, where are you? You are not in your normal spot. And you're right, because this is a special episode. We are what, like a week away from the November 3rd election. So I wanna stop and encourage you to vote, okay? I already voted. Now I know you're thinking, Brooke, why should I vote? My one vote doesn't matter at all. And I hear you, I feel you, I see you, I understand. But if we have learned nothing else from this series, it is that black people have fought very hard for the right to vote and people have fought just as hard to prevent us from voting. Now, if for some reason you have forgotten those cases, don't worry, this is gonna be a little bit of a highlight show. So I'm gonna go through at least four cases that we have discussed in this series that deals with voting and voter suppression. But before we do that, if you could hit the share button, get this information out, people need to know that they need to go out and vote. All right, so let's deal with the first case that we discussed, which was the grandfather clause and the case of Gwen versus the United States from 1915. To back up and give some full context to the issue, I think it's important to mention another important voting case that happened in the 1800s, um, and that is United States versus Reese. Um, And the Supreme Court there said essentially, and really narrowed what was meant by the 15th Amendment and what the, the writers, the drafters of the 15th Amendment wanted, and they said that the 15th Amendment doesn't actually give people the right to vote. It's not a positive right. Rather, what it does is say that you can't exclude people or you can't narrow or deny people a certain right because of their race. So the states are still able to determine whatever requirements they want for how you can vote, you know, what are the qualifications for voting, as long as those qualifications don't turn on whether or not it's somebody's race. In this case, getting back to Gwen, you had the issue there this, the united states sort of concedes that yes the state of oklahoma can create a literacy test that's fine but what they can't do is to create these grandfather clauses that essentially are repugnant to the 15th amendment because they are they function as denying uh, people the right to vote because of their race so yes the court said okay you can have the literacy test if you remove the repugnant part, which is this grandfather clause. So then, what happens? Of course, black men are again excluded from voting, and the Supreme Court turned a blind eye. It wasn't until I want to say 1939 when they finally struck down the the literacy test altogether. Um, and then, of course, the right to vote really being given with the Voting Rights Act in the 1960s. But you know, they fought and they struggled, and it was a win because it's great to for the court to not deny the obvious, but it then ultimately did nothing to sort of buttress that support. And so they were able to to disenfranchise black people. And by disenfranchising a majority of black people, the Southern Democrats were able to gain power and to just sort of implement white supremacy and to implement these segregation laws and really drive home the force of Jim Crow during this period. Alright, so thankfully grandfather clauses are out with the Gwynn versus the United States case. Unfortunately, apparently the 15th Amendment didn't actually give us the right to vote, but it says you can't prevent black people from voting because they're black. Now this brings us to the next case, which is not really a case, it's an incident that happened election night 1920, so 100 years ago in my home city of Okoe, where black people were run out when they tried to vote. So the first instance I want to get into is the black community that existed in Ocoee, Florida. Ocoee, Florida is where I grew up. And we moved here in 1996, but before then, black people knew, you don't go into Ocoee. Like, you just don't. Black people do not go into Ocoee. Um, but no one really knew why. And the root of that actually lies in what happened on election night in 1920. So in order to understand what happened on election night in 1920, you have to go back before then a little bit and look at some key players you had a man named July Perry who was a black farmer and he would actually serve kind of as a mediator between the other black farmers and the white landowners he would get money from that white people didn't like that because of what he was doing he also worked with another gentleman named Mose Norman and they would get people registered to vote and then also encourage them to vote now you also had a lot of black people who um, owned land in Ocoee during this time and some of them were wealthier than the white people. And you had, as Zora Hurston said when she was doing her research into it, that the white people were still upset about it since Reconstruction and they were not happy. And so on election night, when you had July Perry really pushing people to vote, the Klan and some white paramilitary organizations from Orange County got together and came over to Okoe to get July Perry and try to get him and Mos Norman to surrender. And so they get there. And there's a shootout happens, and July Perry shooting them. He kills one of the white men, a, a prominent white man, who appears with the Klan in the paramilitary group. They have a shootout. Somehow Mose Norman escapes. No one knows what happens to him. July Perry, unfortunately, was lynched. One of those, like, they took sil- souvenirs, if I'm not mistaken, from his lynching. But what also happened that night is you had the, again, the whites who were very upset at seeing black landowners who were wealthier than them. They burned down all the the homes in the African-American community there um, and used it as an excuse. Even black people who weren't a part of what was going on, they burned down their homes, took their land. And even to this day, you have some some of the descendants of the people who own the land there having the deeds, but they can't capitalize off of it because it it has been so long. So, Okoye, like I said, a vibrant Black community destroyed by violence after they tried to vote. But really, that was almost an excuse to do what they wanted to do all along, which is to get payback from the reconstruction period. All right, so there you have it. Black people were murdered and their land taken when they tried to vote. There's actually a great documentary coming out. I'll leave a link for it in the notes below. The next incidents, okay, we have grandfather clause, we have racial riots, just straight up killing black people. And now we have what's called the all white primaries where they were excluding black people from the most important part of the election process. In the case of Smith versus Allwright from 1944. Let's check it out. He sues again saying this all-white primary that the Democrats are running violates my constitutional rights. It's pretty much the same argument that's been going on since Dr. Nixon back in the early 1920s or the mid-1920s was arguing. The Supreme Court said, yeah, that is unconstitutional. He's arguing it saying they are denying me my equal protection rights and my right to vote. He loses on the lower courts. He sues and gets all the way up to the United States Supreme Court. So those are the facts. Of course, when he gets to the United States Supreme Court, who's there to argue his case? None other than my man, Thurgood Marshall, doing what he did, which is arguing these very important Supreme Court cases, dealing with civil rights, and this one he puts up there with Brown versus the Board of Education as an important case, the issue. The issue here is pretty straightforward, is whether or not these all-white democratic primaries violates the 14th Amendment rights of Mr. Smith or Dr. Smith, the reasoning. The court found that this did violate the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment because there was state action. And the way that they got to that is essentially saying that the state of Texas is delegating part of its powers to the Democratic Party when they're allowing them to run these primary elections. And so if they're going to run these primary elections, they cannot, do, they cannot exclude people based upon their race that is in violation of the 14th amendment and even though they're a private party what they're doing is conducting state business and so they must conform their actions to the united states constitutional constitution rather so dr smith ended up being awarded actually damages and was permitted to vote and this case actually had a very narrow holding it was too limited to the state of texas but other states kind of saw the handwriting on the wall and got rid of these all white primaries or these white primaries so then that led to more black people being able to vote. And that's why Thurgood Marshall's like, this was very important because it really paved the way um, to allow black people to engage in the political process. All right. you have it smith versus all right ending the all-white primary now let's go to the last case the last incident that we have here which is gamillion versus lightfoot from 1960 and this involved gerrymandering so before you had this nice square district and then they changed it to this funky 28 side district that included all the white people and excluded all but like five black people so let's check it out so white people seeing that black people were not only outnumbering them in the city, but also their voter registration, therefore political power was nearing to equal theirs, if not surpass it. They freaked out. They did what they've been doing in the South since the end of slavery, since slavery, and definitely after slavery, which is they cheated. (laughs) They was like, if we can't get you legally, we'll just cheat. So what ended up happening is that a gentleman who was the executive secretary of the White Citizens Council, which was this white supremacist organization only a shade above the KKK. Um, he created he devised this plan where he created this funky shaped twenty eight side district that included all the white people in Tuskegee and excluded all but like four or five black people. And Professor Gamillion got wind of this and he was like, Oh no, no, no. oh no 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 we gotta stop this so there was like a write in campaign, they did a little boycott but what he did too that got us here is that he filed a, a lawsuit against the city, against the mayor, Mayor Philip Lightfoot, and other elected officials or other leaders of Tuskegee. Well, the court agreed with the states in that yes, they have broad power in how they construct their districts, but the court said that power is not absolute. It still must conform to the 15th Amendment. You cannot draw your districts in such a way that it violates the 15th Amendment rights of citizens and so no it's not an absolute thing and then the court also said that this is not merely a matter of you doing in a political activity that just incidentally disenfranchised black people but rather this is a case where you are trying to disenfranchise black people and just incidentally you're engaged in a political activity don't try me I see what's going on all right, so that's a lot. So where are we? we have grandfather clauses trying to stop us from voting. You have violence, murder, theft, trying to prevent us from voting. You have all white primaries trying to stop us from voting in the most important part of the election. And then you have just straight up gerrymandering funky districts to keep us out of voting. Now, why have I decided to highlight these cases a week before election? I think it's kind of obvious, but if not, let me make it plain. Well, I highlighted these cases because you have to ask yourself, if black votes did not matter, if we didn't count, if we didn't have any power in our vote, then why the grandfather clause? Why the violence and the theft? Why the all white primaries? And then just the straight up funky gerrymandering if our vote didn't matter? The truth is our votes do matter. We do have power. And that is why we must use it this election day, if you haven't already, we must go out and vote. And we also have to do it to honor the legacy of so many people who, like we saw in Okoye, died for that right. And people who were abused because of that right. So I say, use these cases for fuel to go out and vote, to honor those who came before us, to honor ourselves and to honor those who will go after us. If you like this video, please be sure to hit the like button. If you wanna see the Full videos of the episodes I highlighted. You can go back and watch them on either my YouTube page or my Facebook page. Also, please be sure to subscribe to my social media pages. It's Palookies World on Instagram and Twitter. I'm on Facebook Palookies World Productions. And I'm on YouTube, it's my name Brooke Gurley. Also, I have a blog Palookiesworld.com. If you go there and subscribe, you'll never miss an episode. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. I'm on iTunes and Spotify. Please leave a review. Five-star reviews are preferred, obviously. And that helps people find the podcast and learn this great information. Until next time, I'm not telling you how to vote, although I do have some feelings on people you probably shouldn't be voting for. Nevertheless, go out and vote. And remember, be vigilant, be blessed. See you next week. To watch the video series that inspired this podcast, head over to my blog, PalookisRoyal.com, and make sure you subscribe. For more information on this series, like how do you spell Palookie, please check out the show notes. Finally, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode.